There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Everyone, welcome back to the Eternity Archives. We are continuing our Wild Sea arc today, headfirst in all of this wonderful weirdness that this game has to offer. My name is Dorka, my pronouns are she, her, and I am your anchor for today, which means I am running the game and making some stuff happen, but not all of it. Some of it these other folks are making happen. So before we start, let us introduce them with a question. This one might be a lot to ask from some of you. <laughs> Just call me out. <laughs> what is your favorite outdoor spot? <laughs> I can go first since I just screamed uh hey everyone my name is bappy my pronouns are they them I play real day Jaquel, uh usually a little tiefling baby today is a moth baby larva person thing um my favorite outdoor spot I don't go outside I was gonna say uh but I have been playing a lot of Pokemon Legends Arceus my favorite outdoor spot in Pokemon Legends Arceus is when you're standing on a cliff and you can kind of see out in distance and all the little Pokemon are at like playing at a frame of like one frame per second and it's very funny and you can see the little Gyarados flying around in the air. It's very beautiful. Fun fact, Bappy has never been outside in their entire life. Yes. They just live in a bunker six miles underground where they never have to see the sun. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Riverdale. I just always assumed like if you have to go anywhere, it's like just a series of tunnels underground that you only know the layout of. Yes, correct. Yeah, it's great. Bappy uses the same tunnels that uh, that the Loch Ness monster and the Lake Champlain monster use. That's a callback all the way to Chapter Two. Yeah, we're best uh-huh. friends. Um, I'll get you guys some autographs, some signed memorabilia. You know, I'll go ahead and introduce myself next. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Ziva. My pronouns are she/her, and I play Linda, who is normally a human office lady, but right now is a little mushroom chef. And my favorite outdoor spot is probably the hammock in our backyard around springtime, like in between. It's very cold and it's very pollen. I could literally sit out in the hammock all day long. Like I love riding out there. I love taking naps out there. I love hanging out with my cats out there. It's just like a nice, beautiful spot. I get a little sunshine. I get fresh air. I get the breeze. Um, I just like being outside like a lot. I'm the nega bappy that way. (laughs) And so that's like just a really nice place to be to sort of take in the benefits of nature. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to get eaten by wasps or whatever. All right. I will uh, introduce myself next. Um, I am Alex Penland. I am playing Issa and I'm the guest on this episode. I think my favorite outdoor spot, I'm going to be ridiculously extra about this. So I live in Edinburgh in Scotland, and I live right in the middle of Old Town, and there's this beautiful park just underneath the castle 
that has just like this, these wide green spaces and it's like in the middle of the city and you can hear some traffic, but it's fairly quiet. And I like literally my entire summer is just spent there on a picnic blanket reading. It is the most extra like thing I ever done in my life, but I absolutely love it. It's my favorite place in the world. That is incredibly extra and I respect right? the hell out of it. Like I'm sitting here thinking like, I don't even know if I want to say this, but it's, it's just the best. It's just my favorite. And the fact that I live right underneath the castle is like pretty awesome. So I'm excited by it. Well, I have a pretty extra spot myself. My favorite outdoor location is probably the top of Old Rag, which is a mountain in Shenandoah National Park. And this is honestly a bit of a flex because it is not just a hike to get up there. It's a really intense hike that requires you to like do a bunch of climbing up rocks and stuff. But yeah, I've done it a few times and it's always amazing. It's just really fun to get up there. And then once you're up there, it's really nice and beautiful, like especially in the fall when there are leaves everywhere. Once I went up there with a friend at, um, we got up there at sunrise and watched the sun come up and it was amazing. Oh, see, I need to go hike old rag again. That sounds incredible. I was about to say Ziva and Alex made the outdoors sound very cozy. And I was like, maybe I'll try this outdoor stuff myself. And then Dorka was like hiking. And then my heart rate went up and I'm out of breath <laughs> just listening to that story. So to be fair, there are like several <laughs> Pokemon stops for Pokemon Go, which is not anything like that. But still. The top of Old Rag doesn't even have internet. Yeah, that's horrible. Once I went out <laughs> with my roommates to like this out of the way like lake type thing and there was one Pokemon gym and I was like, all right, I'll put my Pokemon here. And the Pokemon gym held my babies hostage for like months because no one ever went out there to play fucking Pokemon. So no <laughs> one knocked my Pokemon out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So now we're going to metaphorically go outside, back to Wild Sea. Ah, uh, my favorite kind of outside. In the last bit of the arc, y'all encountered a strange creature of ancient wood and metal with uh, maybe some human souls inside of it. We're not really sure. But um, no, no time to really wrestle with that right now. We are moving forward. Y'all ready? Yeah. Let's yeah. go see more weird shit. You got this. Let's do it. All right. Good job, guys. That was that was good thinking there. He's is like super impressed with Linda's idea there. Well, it certainly worked out. She's also very quiet and clearly feeling some sort of way about this and withdrawing into herself just a little bit. Linda's definitely going to notice that, but she's hoping for maybe a moment where it'll come up organically since she doesn't know Issa that well. Uh, she doesn't want to like push her too much right now. Yeah, that's a good call. Issa would not respond well to pushing, but she will, if it does come up organically, she'll talk a little bit more about it. But Linda is going to turn to Rill and say, well, I know that was a bit of a risk, but um, I do think it worked out. We're all still here. No pirates this time. Uh, yeah, no, you, I, you guys made the right call. Issa's going to pick up on the this time and say, what do you mean by this time? Well, sometimes bad things happen. Missions don't always go smoothly. Uh, this one, this one doesn't seem so bad, but uh, they aren't always this straightforward. Rawl says, I've seen a lot of weird shit. That was, that was up there. Yeah, that was a new one for me. Should I get Pitter and Patter in the air again, or are we uh, setting down anchor for a bit? Your call. 
I mean, there's nothing I really need to do. I, I'm fine with going forward again. I'm with Rill. And so now we are on our, our second leg of the journey. So do we want to choose a new pilot and a new uh, person on watch, or do we want to just keep the same people? I think, like, if someone volunteered real, they'd be up for it, but I think at the moment they're a little distracted. Issa would maintain watch, but she also, if somebody else is going on watch, she would probably go and sort of, like, squirrel away below deck for a little while, and if she is on watch, she's also probably going to be a little bit distracted. Okay, so... Let me see, if Rill wants to go and do their own thing for a while, and Issa's okay being on watch, even if she's a little distracted, then Linda can pilot. And that means she gets to hang out with the bees. That, too. Yeah, the bees and Dumpling, because Dumpling probably sitting on one of the bees, just, like, vibing. Aww. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rill would just go, are there, I guess there's, like, a bed place, right? <laughs> yeah. There's gotta be bunks or something. As you go downstairs and you see where the egg has been stashed, you'll definitely see that there are cracks in that shell. Oh boy. Shit. <laughs> Rob would kind of quickly go back up and just be like, um, so the egg is definitely hatching, or it kind of got bumped on the way down, uh, but probably the first. So that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, hey, Rawl, if the egg hatched and we had a baby leviathan on board, would that would that be bad? Would that be, like, fucked up? Or would it kind of just be, like, a newly born baby animal and just sort of, like, roll around helplessly, uh, much like myself when I wake up? Uh, never seen a baby leviathan before. Never had one on my ship before. H have you read about them in, like, a book? Or, like, read about it on the internet? Or heard people talk about it? Or... Uh, it's not, like, a thing that people really do. I mean, they are animals. They're not intelligent, like you and I are, but... Sure. Alright, well that's just something to consider. I'm gonna go watch the egg and hope it doesn't hatch. <laughs> Issa's gonna want to go down and see that real quick, too. Linda is going to be on team uh, let's make a quick pace and uh, go forward because she does not want to find out what happens when a baby leviathan hatches, hopefully. So are you opting to forge ahead then to go faster at the risk of not being able to avoid an encounter? Yes. I uh, I know that's a little bit risky, but they handled the first encounter. Linda's feeling pretty good. She feels like um, between Rawl's knowledge and all of their skills that it's worth taking that risk versus uh, risking an unknown baby leviathan thing. Alright, so who's on watch then? Issa will go back on watch, she just wants to see the egg first. Okay. So yeah, it's this dark, inky black egg, and it is definitely intermittently wiggling. It is cracked in spaces, as it is very clearly beginning the hatching process, but it doesn't look like it's going to burst open and you're going to have a baby on your hands in like the next few minutes or maybe the next few hours. Do I still have the Elrich ice? Can I just put the ice on top of the egg and be like, okay, just uh, slow your roll there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop you from doing that. Okay, I am going to do that. <laughs> okay. Issa's, Issa's going to point out that things may also be worse if we end up damaging the baby Leviathan, but she will also not stop you from doing that. They <laughs> <laughs> will, in fact, probably try to poke it. <laughs> it. It's just a little ice. I don't know if she should be poking it either. She doesn't have the greatest self-preservation instincts. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel that. Let's go ahead and get this baby back to, uh, back to their parents, uh, I think, lickety-split. 
Okay, so Isa, you're going back on watch. Do you want to do another discovery, or do you want to make a watch roll this time? Uh, let's make a watch roll this time, if you can remind me what I need to roll for that. So, to make a watch roll, you roll a single d6, and then there's a table that I check against that to basically just determine what's happening there. And I'm also rolling a 1d6 that determines the level of potential threat. Well, I rolled a 3. Okay. For the watch roll, the table is as follows. On a 6, it's a peaceful watch, which is an entire watch passing without any sighting of without a sighting of anything out of the ordinary. And then there are a few like suggestions in the book for what that might mean. Four and five is Order, which is an encounter with one of the various cultures living across the Wild Sea, like another ship, a survivor, a wreck, a ruin. One, two, and three is Nature, an encounter with something born of the wild unknown or a feature of the sea. And so now I'm making my threat roll, which I don't tell you about. Oh boy. So you keep going. You're sailing ahead real fast. And suddenly you notice that the thrash, which is the canopy, thins out up ahead. And you're upon it before you can stop. Uh, It's thinning out. Vegetation around it has seemed to sort of shrivel up and die, leaving a wide swath of thicket. There are branches and tree trunks wide enough to walk on and a crunch beneath the the prow of your ship. The ground here, or what you can call ground, is thick with like a salt residue. You can feel something shift below you, but the thicket is solid beneath your ship and probably beneath your feet if you were to get out and walk on it. So did the ship come to like a sudden stop or anything like that? Yes. Or did it still go? Okay. The ship has come to a sudden stop you're kind of dug into this thicket here, and Rawl's just like, hey, no, no worries, no worries, we can we can get out of this, no problem. Uh, it'll take a little bit of time, though. Yeah, so I think while we were kind of going there, uh, Rill would have just, like, checked in with Zen again, and just been like, is it fucked up that I wanted to just leave it behind when we couldn't figure out a way right off the bat to help this thing? I mean, like, it worked out, but... Zen says... There were souls in that thing. Yeah. Honestly, that scares, like, the hell out of me. I would have been out of there. Why Why would? Why does that scare you? It was, a, it was a shipwreck full of souls. What if it wanted your soul? Or my soul? Uh, I, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. It's just... It's not fucked up to be nervous about dangerous situations. It's hard to make a decision. Like, how do you know when something is the right decision you know yeah i do know i guess i'm still uh trying to figure that out you kind of just gotta feel it out and decide for yourself sometimes it's the right thing and sometimes you fuck it up and then you just gotta you know figure out how to live with it from there i mean you probably know that i uh clearly have trouble doing that (laughs) yeah i've noticed that but you can't let it paralyze you you have to figure out a way to cope yeah i you're right i know I know, I'm still... I guess I'm at that step right now. It's good that you're at least thinking about it, you know? Sure. I just... I don't know. I I want to be a good person, but I don't know if that's the best decision sometimes. You can't be all good all the time. Unless you're Linda, I guess. I think <laughs> Linda's all good all the time, but... Sometimes... I know this better than anyone. Or at least I should. Sometimes the 
best option isn't best for everyone. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, thanks. I, I think that that helps. Glad to hear it. And I think, uh, you know, for narrative purposes, maybe this is the part where the ship comes to a sudden stop. And Real's just like, oh, fuck, what is it now? <laughs> and then just kind of like runs up on deck. Linda's gonna uh, turn when Real comes upstairs and say, I broke the ship. <laughs> uh, I don't think you broke the ship. Um, I broke the ship, Real. I should have let someone else drive. No, I, you're not driving. Are you driving? Rawl has like hopped over the side of the railing and is walking around on the thicket, like outside of the ship, and just calls up, Nothing's broken. Are you sure? Isa has scrambled down from the observation deck. Yeah, are Pitter and Patter okay? Are they okay? Oh, Pitter and Patter are right as rain. Why didn't we hit? Is rain right? And Rawl says, yeah, like, it's just uh, the the canopy, the leaves suddenly all shriveled up, and um, we just hit a rough patch, just some some turbulence. I just have to get our, our prow out of this little tangle here. Could use some help. But also, this salt is worth a fucking ton. <laughs> uh, Linda can definitely help with the gathering the salt. This is something she's actually specked in. So she's going to say, oh, well, uh, maybe I'll hop down there and uh, get some salt. And uh, just in case anything is messed up, you can always uh, upgrade it with a little salt. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll come down and, and help, um, you know, move that tangle out of the way. And Issa's versed in repairs if that's helpful with the ship at all. But otherwise, yeah, she can help gather salt, too. So Rail is helping... Um cut up the thicket to get the prow of the ship out, and Linda and Issa are gathering salt. We'll start with the two gathering the salt. The ground is crunchy here, and you find that the thicket here is thick enough that basically wherever you put your feet, there is a thick branch, thick trunk. So you're not, like, in any danger of, like, slipping down beneath. It takes some getting used to, but in this world, this is getting your sea legs. You're figuring it out. And everything is just coated with this salt residue. So tell me about your exploration. Tell me what you're doing. I have a quick question first. I think this is gather and not scavenge. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think scavenge is specifically, like, parts. Yeah. Parts, okay. yeah. And gather is like Spoo, gathering. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, while Linda is down here, um, she sort of like slings her bandolier around to find if she has some extra containers. And there's a whole bunch of little extra spice jars on the back. And so she does like a little like, like fist pump, like yes, jackpot. And she is going to, while watching her step, carefully bend down and start scraping up as much of the salt as she can. Has just started shoveling the salt into her bag willy nilly. <laughs> <laughs> and she's still being sort of quiet. She's still a little bit out of sorts from the whole, I'm just going to call it the Iron Giant situation. <laughs> so she's, you know, not being unfriendly or anything, but she's clearly, you know, still a little bit bothered and not super talkative, but she'll respond to whatever Linda starts saying. And yeah, she's just. The salt is worth something, so she's just taking as much of it as she can get, throwing it all in her bag, probably getting some leaves and twigs and stuff in there as well. Somewhere in the back of her mind, she's too distracted to talk about it right now, but she's going to be mildly concerned, like there's so much dead stuff around. She assumes the salt has done that, but she's also a little bit concerned that maybe the salt is like 
symptom rather than whatever caused it. Uh, but she's not going to voice that just yet. Okay. Do you want us to go ahead and roll for how much salt we're getting? Yeah, go ahead and roll your gather skill. We'll see what you're finding. Okay. I don't think any of my edges count here unless I can, like, squeeze in that, like, tides would help because I have knowledge of this salt, but I'm assuming I don't have knowledge of this salt. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by knowledge of the salt. I mean, if there's anything, like, special (laughs) about it. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, no, that doesn't count. Yeah, this is very clearly, like, standard salt. Okay. Um, Then I'm... This is not your traditional (laughs) salt. (laughs) Um... Then I'm going to roll my gather, which is two. I rolled a three is my highest. Hold on. Wait, I'm using my spice bandolier. Can I add an extra one for that? Yes. Oh, okay. Let me do that. I rolled that. That didn't help. I rolled a one, but I mean, my highest is a three. So you're gathering the salt and as you're scraping it off of the branches, you're finding that it's not actually as thick as it first appeared and you're getting a lot of like bark and dirt in it too. So while you can pretty much fill your jars in an unlimited quantity, it's not going to be very pure and filtered. It's kind of a, uh, a bad quality salt. And as you go along, you find that in one of your jars is something different. It blended into the salt at first. It's about, it's like a cocoon. It looks like an egg at first. It's about the same size and shape as an egg, but it's a, it's a little white cocoon about the size of one of your hands. Huh. What do you have there? I am not sure. It looks like a little, I don't know, like a little cocoon. Like, uh, really? You didn't lay a cocoon, did you? (laughs) I don't think that's how Uh, that works. What? (laughs) Uh, no, I don't think I I guess did. I was thinking about a cocoon as a baby moth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is, um, it's pulsing. And looking around, you now notice that there are a lot of those. Rolf, do you know what this is? I, I found this in, in the salt and it looks like uh, we got a whole bunch of them. We're sure this is salt, right? Before we resolve that, let's cut back to Rail and Rawl at the ship, cutting the thicket out. Yeah, so what? why is all this stuff, like, dead here? Well, you know, salt and plants don't really get along. Okay, but where'd the salt come from? Like, does it- I mean, salt is rock, right? Rawl leans in and says, look, salt is rare. And I'm going to be able to trade this for some real nice honey for those bees. Uh, real chops faster. <laughs> <laughs> real has been motivated. I don't know. I mean, is this something that happens normally? Like I've seen salt flats before. Okay, so this isn't like some ominous thing. Well. There's no salt ghosts, are there? Could be salt worms. What? What the... What's a salt worm? Let's hope it's not salt worms. Is that W-Y-R-M or W-O-R-M? W-Y-R-M. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Real chops even faster. So do you want to um, do some sort of roll for me to figure out how that chopping is going? No, but I will. Okay, so I have grace, which is elegance, precision, and agility. Precision would definitely help you out here. Yeah, and then would you say repair or or gather? I mean, I'm not gathering anything, but it's... No, I wouldn't say any of those. <laughs> Shit. Um, I guess I could say you can make an attack roll. I'm gonna shoot it with my gun. 
Well, I mean, how are you, what are you using to chop up this tangle? I mean, I would have just used whatever Brawl gave me, like, because I don't, oh, I don't have like an axe with me or anything like that. Yeah, I'm going to say Brawl gave you like a machete specifically for this sort of purpose. Okay, yeah, I'd say just grace then. So I just roll one dice or? Roll two dice because you have that machete. Okay. Oh shit, I rolled two sixes. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) So, yeah, so you're chopping this this thicket up like you're chopping vegetables. Uh, very practiced <laughs> movement. Does anyone have an idea for a twist here? It's just a big vegetable. I A twist? I would say I, maybe I find a salt worm. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is either that uh, Rawl also sees uh, one of the cocoons, because I'm assuming that that is a sign of a salt worm, or that um, that like a chunk of branch comes off and it's particularly valuable or tasty or something. Or one of the uh, one of the cocoons hatches. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I think I do like that. Um, you find something valuable like in that thicket. I'm gonna say it's like a large fruit. The the the, the thing it's sort of protected from the salt layer. It's like it's like a very large pomegranate. Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can add that to your specimens. You have a large pomegranate. A big old pomegranate. And at this point, Linda and Isa come running up to Rawl, like, "Hey, what's this cocoon?" <laughs> Uh, your pomegranate looks way more fucked up than the one I found. <laughs> and Rolt looks at that cocoon and says, Oh shit. Oh no. We gotta go. <laughs> Is that a saltworm baby thing? Teenager? Oh no, that that's the baby. That's oh. How big is the cocoon? About the size of your hand. Oh. Ah, it's fine. I mean the the Leviathan egg is much bigger. All right, I guess, I guess, are we good? Or is everything cleared out? Yeah, it looks like you've cut through enough that you'll be able to get the ship moving again. Okay, uh, yeah, I guess let's frickin' leave before, uh, salt worms with a Y come up and eat us. Uh, that's a good call. Y'all climb back up on the ship, and Rawl gets, uh, pitter and patter in the air again. The ship starts to move a little more slowly across the salty thicket. And eventually you feel actual leaves beneath the hull again, and the ship begins to glide a little more gracefully. As you look back at that salt baron, you see two gigantic pointed limbs emerge from the tangle, followed by a thick chitinous body that ends in a thin tapered snout. Most of the lower body remains below, it looks like it's part mosquito, part praying mantis, part sea serpent. Not a leviathan, not big enough to be a leviathan, but definitely something that you're glad you missed. How many moose? Um, two moose. Two. Wow, that's, two moose. That's in. pretty big. <laughs> that's pretty big. That, that's big. I'd say it's about on par with the iron giant you met earlier. Except that, as mentioned, most of its lower body is still below the thicket. Uh, you guys left the cocoon, right? Like, you didn't bring it with you? Yes. Okay. Okay. Alright. Just checking. Yeah, this world's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, in a kind of cool way. Lisa, like, sort of, like, looks through her bag to make sure, because she was kind of scraping stuff in without paying any attention. But she- I don't think she got any. 
If you could roll two ones, it would have been, oh no, you you actually <laughs> scraped in all of them. Say, <laughs> so Linda's got some yucky salt, but that definitely was uh, was just the salt. Oh yeah, go ahead and add impure salt to your specimens. Okay. Both you and Isa can have that. You all got some nasty salt. <laughs> I did, in fact, actually write down yucky salt in my notebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Raw will explain that, you know, salt is rare, like they said to real, and everything's pretty much trade-based here. So having good salt and even having not good salt can probably be traded for pretty valuable stuff because, you know, it makes... <laughs> you need salt to make your food taste decent at all, basically. And also, it's it's pretty essential to living. That too. We're more concerned about the uh, seasonings. <laughs> <laughs> Ectus aren't actually fond of salt. Like I said, plants and salt don't get along. Ah, oh, fair enough. Absolutely. Lisa sort of looks down at herself and remembers that she is not actually currently alive, so... <laughs> Maybe the flavor is probably more important to her, too. Yeah, that's probably tricky. Issa's probably the first archivist we've had who has uh, come into another world and just been dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, her status of life after her father exploded everything around her and abandoned her is still sort of like up in the air. So jury's still out. Okay, so shall we proceed on the next leg of our journey? Yeah. Let's do it. Yes. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. I wanted to jump in with a quick reminder that you can support us by leaving a review on Podchaser or iTunes. Since we're an independent show, this helps us a ton. You can also support us by buying stickers, making a one-time donation, or joining as a monthly supporter on our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com slash the Eternity Archives. Our monthly supporters get exclusive behind-the-scenes content like character sheets, GM notes, and access to our fan discord. Before we get back to it, here's a message from another great show on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. Check them out and give them a listen. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Bored of D&D? Want to try something else? Why not check out Control Group? We test systems so you don't have to. Using our patented mini-campaigns along with one-shots, we test how far you can stretch systems with our unique ideas and broad storytelling. Our mission statement is to give a voice to those not often heard in the TTRPG community. So whether it be a system you've never heard of, or our testers being people of color, people on the LBGTQIA spectrum, we want to make sure our stories are broad, vast, and told from different perspectives. So whether you want classic role-playing or just big goofs, come listen to us try out systems, some of which we've even made ourselves. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or head over to controlgrouppod.com. That's CTRL, just like the key on your keyboard. There you can find the systems we test, along with easily accessible PDFs. So check us out if you're into Monster of the Week, Passion de los Passiones, Song of Fire and Ice, Blazers and Feelings, Gunsight, Void Worlds, Wizards and Wands, Stranded, Interstitial, The Last Shonen, and so much more! So y'all know the drill by now. Who's going to do what? So um, since they just got some of this salt, Linda would like to volunteer to take this opportunity to maybe make everybody a meal just because, you know, there's a galley and she's got she's got a little salt. She just use a little bit of it and save the rest for trading and uh, just wants to sort of, you know, give everybody something to relax and bond over. 
Um, so she would like to call not it, basically. Yeah, I mean, Rill's fine with either being watch or pilot. Um, the egg still doesn't seem like it's about to explode or anything, right? The cracks are widening, deepening, but it's still... The, the whole shell is there. It hasn't started breaking off pieces of shell yet. Okay, yeah, so Rill's fine with being on deck either as the pilot or as watch. doesn't matter to them. He's as comfortable as a navigator because that's like literally her background. So she's perfectly happy being on watch, but she'll be the pilot as well if we wanted to switch places. No, uh, Rill, Rill can be pilot again. Okay, that works. Yeah, she's happy with her little lookout post. I'd say we uh, forge ahead. All right, another another fast pace. And what about you, Isa? Are we doing a discovery or are you making a watch roll? Well, okay, so the whisper I have right now left is called All Tunnels End, and then I have a le- leather-bound journal and a detailed chart. We could use All Tunnels End if we wanted to do that, but I'm sort of putting that up to everybody. I don't have, like, a specific feeling in mind for that. So if those speak to everybody else, we could do that. Otherwise, I'm happy to just roll again. Yeah, All Tunnels End seems like a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I think a roll's fine. I yeah, think a roll's roll, fine, too. We'll Okay. So I'm just rolling 1d6, right? Yep. And I got a 4. Okay. So that is order, which means that what you're going to be finding is, like, an encounter with one of the various cultures. So you're making your way along over the treetops, chugging along. What is everyone doing in this short downtime? Linda wants to go ahead and make something nice for everybody so that they have some snacks. All right. Tell me how you're accomplishing that. I'm just going to use some of the salt that they just gathered and whatever is like kicking around the galley to go ahead and pull together some salted caramel brownies. Ooh. Because that sounds delicious and she wants to make something special for everybody. She knows that her team is having kind of a rough time. She can sense that Issa's still having kind of a hard time. She knows that she and Rill have had a very hard time. And she didn't bring any goodies with her. Um, she's been so distracted recently. So she wants to make something nice. Um, and also, so Rall can have something nice too, since he is really pulling a lot of the weight here. So <laughs> She could also make salt-rimmed margaritas. She could also make salt-rimmed margaritas. I guess she'll do both. There's no reason she can't do both. <laughs> she's making margaritas and brownies for everybody. What that's going to actually look like is that she is going to use her cook skill and her spice bandolier, which also means that um, I get to treat conflict results as triumphs while cooking with my spice bandolier. Ooh. So I'm also going to direct you. There is another mechanic of this game called creation tasks, and you can cook requiring two specimens. Okay. And... Cooking a full meal allows you to gain some delicious fortification against the dangers of the waves, with effects based on the flavors of the specimens used. Okay, so Linda is definitely going to use the impure salt as one of her specimens. She's also going to use um, distant sea spices, which is a specimen that she came in with, and I'm going to say that her distant sea spices is a little bit of really finely ground coffee, because that helps to bring out the chocolate flavor. I love that. So we're going to go ahead and use those two specimens. I feel like Linda should release like a cookbook or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Eternity Archives cookbook. 
Well, now that you've said it, uh, if you pledge to our Ko-Fi... No. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Maybe in the future. Look, if you pledge to our Ko-Fi, we will give you a recipe. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if you want to lend a recipe, hit me up with a donation, please. With money. <laughs> <laughs> so then she is going to use um, her specimens. She's going to use her cooking skill and then her spice bandolier, which is four dice between them, right? Because I have three cooking. Okay. Yes. And my highest was a six. Okay. Any doubles? Uh, two fours. Oh, wow. What's the twist that we can introduce to these brownies? Oh, I've got one if no one else has an idea. Go for it. Okay. So the smell of these brownies is very, very enticing. And as that smell, like, wafts through out of the galley and onto the rest of the ship, you hear a loud crack. And now there is, like, a piece of shell on the floor next to the egg. It has accelerated the hatching oh, process. No. Oh, <laughs> Baby loves brownies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Linda's just walking and just starts shoving brownies. No, she's not actually going to shove brownies in the crack, but... Uh... And so um, I'm giving everyone the temporary aspect, well-fed from these brownies. Ooh. That is a a two-circle track. And I'm going to say the benefit of this is you can mark this track to avoid damage or an effect in combat. Ooh, great. So uh, Linda's going to walk around the ship and pass out the brownies to everyone and then head back below deck to clean up the kitchen or clean up the galley because she's a polite guest. And when she sees that the egg has the enormous crack in it, she decides to clean up the galley as quickly as possible so that she can come out and, <laughs> um, and keep an eye on it for the rest of their chunk of this voyage. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome. So Linda's up on the deck now handing out her uh, caramel brownies, her salted caramel brownies. And as you're making your way over the treetops, you find quite suddenly that there's another ship running alongside yours. It's easy to miss when you're on deck alone in the wild sea, but with another ship directly beside you, it's easier to kind of get a sense for how damn fast Pitter and Patter are. Because the other ship is keeping pace with you, and they are speedy. The other ship is also pulled by beasts, giant centipedes that use their mini legs to find the best footing across the sea. It's a small ship like yours, and the woman on deck, a human woman, you think, shouts at you to stop. She doesn't look hostile, but she does look angry. What does the stop sound like? Was it like, what, did it sound aggressive? Aggressive, but not hostile. Okay. Like she is demanding that you stop. Yeah. Okay, okay. I look at Rawl, I'm like, uh, I mean, is there a reason we should stop? You look back to her ship, and the ship also has, like, a sharpened prow that if it rammed you, it would do some serious damage. So I guess the reason you have to stop is if you don't stop, she looks like she won't hesitate to make you stop. Okay, uh, yeah, let's let's stop the ship. And Azrael says that they are putting a hand on the handle of their pistol. So Rawl uh, tugs on the reins of Pitter and Patter, and they sort of fumble back to the ship as the ship slows and eventually stops. The other woman pulls her ship up to yours and deftly leaps across. 
She's wearing some sort of uniform. You don't recognize it. There's a sash over her chest, and she is undoubtedly human. She's tall and sturdy, and you get the sense that all humans in this time are probably more like her. Tough, wiry, well-adapted to survival in this harsh world. But yeah, she is also the only human you have seen this entire mission. So I have, like, both my hands behind my back, and one of them is, like, on the handle of the pistol. And I keep my distance from her, but I'm also like, uh, can I help you? She, uh, pulls a badge out of the front of her uniform. It doesn't mean anything to you, but you hear Rawl kinda cursing behind you. And she says, I'm Castell, LPA, that's the Leviathan Protection Agency. You've entered into protected seas, and I'm gonna need you to turn around and leave immediately. Uh, no. (laughs) Issa probably would have climbed down from the observation deck at this point, and she has a negotiate of three. Okay, so I'm actually starting two tracks here, three boxes each. One track, when filled, will convince this woman to back down and gain her trust. The other track, if filled, will provoke her to attack. So obviously you probably want to try and fill one more than the other. So yeah, I would go ahead and use that skill. Okay, so Issa plaques down and she would ask, you said you're with the Leviathan Protection Agency? That's right. She's not really saying much more than that. So Issa's probably going to try to convince her that she can help us. Okay, first tell me what you're saying, and then you're going to roll for it. Alright. Actually, you might be able to help us. I think we're on the same side here. We're not here to do any damage to the Leviathans, but we do need to replace one. Alright, so let's build your dice pool. Wow, you have three and negotiate. (laughs) Yeah. Issa grew up in a bad neighborhood, and she has a lot of experience with negotiating. So do you have any edge that's going to apply here? Veils would probably be good if she was trying to hide what we're doing, but I don't think that she's going to think to go that route. I think she's going to go for honesty. And what else do I have? I have sharps, which is sort of like logic. I actually think iron here, because it says you're at your best when relying on direct action, force, determination, and willpower. Yes. This definitely seems like a, uh, a clash of wills. Definitely. So yeah, iron. So that's one for iron and then three for negotiate? Yep. Alright, so four dice. My highest is a five and I have a pair of twos. Okay. <laughs> I have an idea for a twist, but if no one else does, if anyone else has anything, I'm willing to hear it. Uh, the twist is that the baby hatches and climbs up onto the deck. Yeah, that's, that's what I could think of for the twist. That was the same twist I had in mind, so I'm glad we're all on the same page. (laughs) Oh god, we really are just a bunch of spiders in a trench coat. (laughs) (laughs) So, she seems willing to listen, at least. I'm marking one box on the trust track, but you notice now that she does have, like, strapped to her hip, on one hand there's, like, an old-fashioned pistol, and on the other hip, on the other side, there's small hand crossbow. Either one looks like it could do a lot of damage if she needed it to. So she seems willing to listen, but she still obviously has a job to do. But before she can open her mouth to say anything, you hear a cracking sound from below. And the scrambling of many limbs. Isn't Linda down there? 
Linda is down there. So go ahead and describe <laughs> what the Leviathan does, and then I'll go ahead and respond. The Leviathan is scrambling around in sort of the remains of that egg. It is... It's a hard creature to describe. It's sort of like, imagine a shark. Now, give that shark a body that's many, many segmented, like a centipede, and also many legs, thin insectoid legs, like a centipede. So it's like a it's like a land shark centipede. Horrible. That's some Junji Ito shit. I hate it. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> With like a sharp point at its its tail is like sharp almost bladed so on seeing this linda is going to be incredibly freaked out but she is going to try and well she doesn't necessarily know what's going on upstairs yet but she knows that they're stopped and she knows that uh, a Leviathan getting out is going to be bad kind of regardless so um she is going to use her fungal tendril to kind and of, kind of see if she can like like lasso this thing kind of around the neck like the way you kind of hold snakes on a snake hook um or or lasso a i don't know like a gator so she's gonna try and see if she can use her sling to like lasso around the neck of the leviathan to keep it downstairs oh boy yeah you're definitely gonna need to do a roll for yeah, that i don't i don't think i have anything that can help Except for the fact that I'm using my fungal tendril to hold it so she's got two arms so she can, like, brace herself or uh, fight it if necessary. Because I don't think veils, tides, or instinct, I don't think any of those count. Okay, so there is a fix here for that. It says in the rules, if you're attempting an action roll but have nothing to draw from to make your pool, you just roll 1d6 and sixes count as fives. Okay. I mean, I'd say instinct counts. Instinct has reaction. Oh, okay. That's so true, yeah. Instinct and Tendril would let me roll two. Yeah. Okay. I got a three. Oh, boy. The three is your highest? Yes. Okay, that is a failure. Yeah. And the Leviathan scrambles past you. It's, it's an animal. It's a baby animal. And it seems frightened and confused not hostile towards you but it does run up on deck so as soon as i see the leviathan i'm just like oh fuck but i wouldn't try to stop the leviathan i think i try to like cut off the woman from drawing any of her weapons she does not seem to be moving to draw any of her weapons oh okay but she does like press a hand to her chest and she looks horrified as she looks to the rest of you and she gasps and says poachers uh no where no are you serious we're coming in what kind of stupid poachers comes in it's easy to get lost out here what terrified we are trying to return this creature to its land yes we are not we did not take it out we discovered it elsewhere and we're trying to return it and bring it home Linda's going to follow it, you know, up above deck and uh, she's out of breath and she's got the sling in her hand. She says, well, I, um, I've got some bad news. It looks like the egg hatched, but watch out for that thing. It's wily. Yeah, we got some, some freaking cops here calling us poachers <laughs> and then gestures at, what's her name? Castell? Castell. Yeah. And the, uh, the Leviathan has like tucked itself underneath one of the flowers growing off the railing of the ship 
and it's like curled up with its sharp little tail above its body, like to protect it, and it hisses at all of you, kind of, kind of like a xenomorph sound. I was thinking like a cat. <laughs> it's kind of like a xenomorph cat, actually. Can I give it the rest of my brownie to like try to be friends with it? Can we try to like lure it out with the brownie? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, figure out something to roll for that. I guess maybe either sharps or instinct. I think that's probably instinct. Instinct? Okay. And then I don't think I have anything else. Maybe like, I don't know, scrutinize? (laughs) Probably not. Okay. Yeah, then then just instinct. Can I get one dice for the brownie? (laughs) Yes. Nice. (laughs) Uh, I got a six and a two. Okay. But yeah, since you're using the brownie, I'm gonna have you um, mark one of the tracks on your wealth head. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and so yeah, you rolled a six, and the leviathan hatchling sort of chitters at you. And carefully, with many of those legs, crawls out, and it raises its two front legs off of the ground, snatches the brownie out of your hand, and starts, like, feeding it into its own mouth, which has many tiny, tiny sharp teeth. Oh, hey, little buddy. Aren't you fucking terrifying? But we're not here to hurt you. That brownie's pretty good, huh? We're just trying to take you back to your mom and dad. Castell seems to soften a little bit at this. Like, her eyes are wide, her hand is still, like, clasped to her chest, but, like, she seems to, like, love this little thing. I guess if you're in the Leviathan Protection Agency, you must, like, love Leviathans. So <laughs> it does warm her a little bit to see you interacting gently with this baby. So Isa would probably just sort of, like, kneel down by Rill and, like, be cooing over it. This is... She's, she's gotten used to the bugs now, and this is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Linda would like to um, offer her last remaining brownie to uh, to the woman. I have charm too, so I'm gonna I'm gonna count that. I guess double. Yes, yes, absolutely do that. So she's gonna look at her and say, "I promise, we're not bad people. I know this looks like a weird situation, but all we want to do is help this little guy. Uh, here, y- would you like this? Since since you you know, I'm sure you're you're hard at work and you're out here dealing with us. The least we can do is offer you a snack. I rolled a five. Okay. She takes the brownie and eats it. She's like, oh, this is really good. She does seem to enjoy it, but then she seems to catch herself. Like, are you trying to bribe me? Oh no, yes. no, no. <laughs> No, I just, I'm just one of those folks. I just like making friends with everybody. So, you know, I just thought you could enjoy it. Whether that hinges on your decision at all is totally up to you. That is not my intent. So where did you find this little guy? Uh, in a mountain. Uh, a mountain? Yeah. Really weird, right? Um, so, you know, obviously we have to return it. It was in um in a in a nest on the mountain with definitely not leviathan eggs in it. This was this was the only one in there. Someone someone must have put it there. Poachers, she says, but she doesn't seem to be directing the word at you this time. <laughs> Just this nebulous concept of poachers stealing leviathan eggs. Uh yeah, sure, maybe. Uh we're not trying to hurt anybody. You know, we we just want to 
why would anyone even want to poach a leviathan egg? I mean, these things grow pretty big, right? Wouldn't that... That, that seems like a bad idea? Yes, but the parts are valuable. Ah. Uh. Oh, Linda looks over at the baby and she she's trying to figure out where the ears are. She wants to cover the ears. <laughs> don't listen. Don't listen, little one. <laughs> Earmuffs. Lisa <laughs> definitely wants to try to give it scritches or something. She's just like, no, protect the little thing. So if you if you go to give it scritches while it's still eating the brownie, it leans into your hand and sort of like flops over like a cat. Aww. Yeah, Isa is definitely just like this is this is the new cat. She's she's scratching the Leviathan and letting it nibble. <laughs> I mean, we're not poachers, but we're about to be. <laughs> <laughs> she will 100% take this back with her to the library if somebody lets her. And Castell is just like, you you shouldn't feed it, you shouldn't teach it to accept things from humans. And she's saying this, but like, it's also very, very cute. And so it's like, professionally, she feels one way, but like, she's not gonna stop you. Well, it's okay, because... Because I'm not a human, and near the you're the only human. So as long as you're not feeding it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So I promise. Uh, seems kosher to me. I promise this is the last time we are taking it right back to its family. We are leaving it there. It will be a happy camper and live with its own kind. This is it. It it just needs a little brownie on the way. But when he's back, we'll we'll let him do his thing. Yeah, but it does have a taste for brownies now, so, you know, uh, that's gonna be an issue in the future, probably, but we'll worry about that later. She clasps her hands together and, like, takes a deep breath, and she's like, (sighs) okay. And that's where we'll pick up next time, here on the Eternity Archives. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Siva. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Subscribe to our Kofi for all sorts of exclusive bonuses, behind-the-scenes content, and other fun surprises. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.